Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker and listen with a sparkle in your eye as though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I ever heard in all my life. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for coming round again. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. What's shaking, cats and kittens? We are back. It is 2015, and the OKC show has returned, just like the Phoenix, except we're in OKC. And it is great to be back. I am your host, Jason Baffrey, and we have a great show lined up for you. It has been uh, a wet few weeks here in the Oklahoma City area, if you're listening from uh, in-state or out-of-state and you've missed out. It's been a torrential rain. Uh, if I were a better woodworker, I would have built an ark already. Uh, it has been absolutely crazy. I mean, you could say it's been raining cats and dogs, but that's a little cliche. But uh, I did see uh, a couple of chihuahuas in my backyard that I don't know where they came from. So there you go. It is, uh, it is so fun to be back here. Uh, we've had a lengthy hiatus and uh, been been busy doing things. And uh, have always wanted to get back with the show. And you can always find us at okcshow.com. And we're proud to announce that we're now part of the new Oklahoma Talking Co., which is a network for podcasting in Oklahoma City. So you can check that out at oklahomatalking.co. And, of course, uh, OKC Show, you can find us at okcshow.com. You can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud and uh, other cool places coming soon. And uh, hopefully, if you're listening now, you've already found us at one of those places. So let's jump right into it. Uh, we have a guest. Uh, we had to get him in, like, kind of in a hurry because he is literally leaving the country on Friday, just a few days away. And uh, Nate Allen joins us on the OKC show, uh, a name that you may not be familiar with. But by the end of this program, you'll know everything about him, at least the things that he can talk about. Uh, so, Nate, welcome to the OKC Show. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good, good, good. Now, uh, you are getting ready to leave town, not just town, but you are you bought a motorcycle mm-hmm. and you are leaving the country. Yeah, yeah. I'll be leaving town and kind of exodus of the country, uh, hopefully by the end of this week. We'll see how that goes. And where are you headed? Well, the end-all, be-all goal is the southern point of Chile. I'm going to ride my motorcycle down there through Central America and South America. And with any luck, I might be able to swing a ride on one of the cruise ships in Antarctica. I haven't quite planned that bit out yet because it's still a little ways away. Wow. That is, uh, that's a lengthy ride. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit. I haven't even looked at a map yet, but I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't plan to be home back in the States until about this time next year, though. Now, are you a regular motorcycle rider? I mean, are you a guy that gets out and rides on a regular basis? Well, you know, I'll be honest. Uh, I haven't been on a bike in about five or six years. I sold my last one to uh, kind of pay for school and get rid of some extra debt that I wasn't into. And uh, I've been riding since I was about six years old. And when I was younger, I was into motocross and kind of freestyle motocross. Then I bought crotch rockets and got into all that. And life happened and just kind of got out of it for a while. And I thought it was a good time to get back into it. Yeah. Now, I'm a somewhat of a motorcycle guy. I've got a bike. I ride um, nice. here and there. I'm a fair weather rider these mm-hmm. days. But, uh, man, I'm good for about an hour and a half, two hours, and I'm ready to get off. But uh, you're going to have to go for a ride for a long yeah. time to get to Chile. <laughs> yeah, my first day I bought my motorcycle, um, I bought it that night, 
and woke up about five in the morning, uh, filled up the tank and rode 666 miles down to Arkansas through uh, Talamina. Uh, came back here to the city and wrote down a list of everything I wanted to upgrade on it and went on Amazon the next day. Yeah, I hope a seat was one of those things. Actually, it was, and it finally got <laughs> here just now. Great. Uh, what kind of bike did you get? Um, you know, I rode about every adventure bike made. I rode like big Yamahas, the 1200s. I rode the 250s. I, I eventually got to a 650 uh, V-Strom. It's made by Suzuki. They, they're kind of the ones that started the adventure bike movement. And... Uh, I guess the recipe, they got it right on the first go because they really haven't changed a lot in the last 10 years. And it's just, it's bulletproof. It's done everything I wanted it to do. And then some, I've ground the pegs. I even ground the skid plate that's on it. I was leaning over so far down there in Telemina. Um, just phenomenal little motorcycle. Now for the people that are listening that may not be um, motorcycle um, aware, let's talk a little bit about what an adventure bike is compared to you know, a Harley Davidson. Sure. Yeah. So like a Harley will be like your big cruiser bikes, like you'd see in Terminator 2 with Schwarzenegger. Adventure bikes are more of a on off-road. Um, the idea is like it has good road manners, but you can still go off-road. Mm. And uh, that was something that was kind of important to me because going down through Central America, South America, it's uh, the roads, they leave a little bit to be desired, to be honest. It's probably not the best highway system in the world. So being uh, more comfortable usually equates to having more suspension and better tires and just a more rigid frame. And that's kind of the design of these motorcycles. Yeah. Now, forgive me for being ignorant, but I haven't really been out of the country that much. Mm -hmm. uh, I took a trip to Monterey, Mexico once, but I mean, are there roads that go that far down? I mean, can you ride straight from Oklahoma City to Chile and stay on the roads or is there like jungle riding involved? How, I mean, how does that work? There will be a bit of jungle riding. Um, there's a a stretch of about 100 miles in between Panama and Colombia, and uh, it's called the Darien Strait. Um, that's pretty much impassable. Only about three guys have done it and lived the tale of the tale. Um, that name is so infamous, they actually made my riding suit after the Darien Strait. It's called a Darien. It's made by Arrow Stitch, and uh, it's the best riding protection that money can buy. But at the same token, like to get across there, usually you have to take a ferry. You put your motorcycle in a crate, mm -hmm. ratchet, strap it down, hope for the best. Like it, the crate shows up, not upside down. Yeah, and uh, you can continue on from Colombia. But there's supposedly uh, plans to keep the uh, transcontinental highway from Alaska all the way down to Argentina in place and up and going and. I think there's a bit of a squabble between Colombia and Panama with uh, drug trafficking and cattle and whatnot. So hopefully that will get that uh, squared away. But in the meantime, they make boats. And uh, from worst case scenario, I understand that you can uh, hire some villagers and they will actually build a canoe for you and take you down a little bit uh, of the open ocean way through the stream. <laughs> so that should be fairly So you have to canoe your bike? <laughs> That's kind of what it sounds like at this point. I haven't done a lot of research. Once again, like uh, I bought a motorcycle about two weeks ago. Um, started outfitting it about a week ago. I haven't even looked at a map. I just, I know I need to go south. Okay. Now, I, I mean, I have to point this out. I mean, this sounds a little crazy. It, it could be construed as crazy. Um, I guess really at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's all relative. Well, uh, that's true. But I mean, what made you, when did you decide to take this trip and what brought you to that decision? Mm, I guess it was about a month ago. Yeah. I was uh, looking into a couple of business deals and I was kind of excited about it. Uh, and really what happened is. I just kind of thought, man, you know, if I was going to die like a year from now, would I rather jump into these next deals or would I rather go acquire a motorcycle and get lost in the jungle for a little while? And I thought about that for about probably three or four days and 
told the guys, thanks very much for the offer. I appreciate it. Uh, if you need me, I'll be at the motorcycle shop. Mm-hmm. Took off from there and started riding different bikes. Wow. Are you a big traveler? I mean, do you go to mm-hmm. different places on a regular basis? I, I truly am. I, I love to travel. That's the one thing that makes me feel alive. That's what makes me want to wake up in the morning. That's what makes me want to stay out late. It's truly the best money you can spend, in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. So talk about some of the places that you've been. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, I guess my first trip out of the country, uh, like you, I was down in Mexico. I graduated high school, and I uh, went down to Cancun for a little while. Uh, while I was down there, I uh, met some people. Decided to stay for a month, had a blast, and then uh, <laughs> I came back up here to Oklahoma City, and uh, I worked around the states. I got to travel with my job a little bit, and uh, I decided, okay, well, I want to do some more world traveling. So I went through, like, Western Europe. I went through Eastern Europe. I've been through uh, Southeast Asia, uh, a bit through South America. I've been all through the Middle East. Um, wouldn't highly suggest the Middle East um, right now. It's a bit of a— Yeah, there's a couple of things going on yeah, over there. Yeah. It's, it's been going on for about 2,000 years. Yeah. It, it was sure to wind down here pretty soon. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be any day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so you you make the decision. You're going to go to South America. You buy a motorcycle a couple of weeks ago. You're outfitting it. I mean, do you have a job that you have to take vacation and go, hey, I'm going to be gone for the next however long it's going to take? And, I mean, what about your family? What What's well, going on? What What is everybody thinking about this? <laughs> I'll level you with you. Um, jobs, there's a reason why they're J-O-B. It's called Just Over Broke. Yeah. And uh, as long as you're working for someone else, you'll always build someone else's dream. And the whole idea for me, uh, about the time I was 15, I wanted to be financially independent. I, I didn't want to have to punch a clock and enter white-collar slavery where they tell you when you can show up and when you can leave. And, and really, more than anything else, when you're hungry and when you can take a break. It just That, to me, is not freedom. That's not living. So I did it for a while, bit my teeth, grounded out. And I, my whole concept was live like no one else for a little while. And that way later you can truly live like no one else. So for me, it was the whole goal of financial independence. And we're not talking about millions in the bank. We're talking about relative comfort where Mm -hmm. you can go out, have some drinks, have some lunch, enjoy, go to South America if that's what you want to do. But really you can live down there so much cheaper than you can here for what you could basically just exist here, you could live a fairly luxurious lifestyle down there. Yeah. So are you planning on coming back? Well, that remains to be seen. No, yeah. um, I, I do plan on being back probably this time next year. Um, I do feel like that would be about my estimated time of arrival. And, and that's for several reasons. One being um, temperature. Uh, right now, it's going to be uh, quite cold down in like Argentina and Chile because it's their winter time. It's summertime here, obviously now. Uh, so as we continue on, my plan is to go down through like Ecuador and Peru and get there about October, November, and it'll be their spring. So hopefully it'll be a little warmer. Um, I know it'll be a little more wet. That's actually their wet season, but you know, it's, it's all part of the deal. I'd well, I think be... you're getting, I think you're getting a taste of it now. Here. Sure. Yeah. This is a good, uh, experience. It's right. a, a little taste, a little right. morsel. So you're looking at being gone for a year. Obviously, the goal is not uh, this isn't, you know, I'm going to set the land speed record on mm-hmm. getting from Oklahoma City to the tip of South America. This You have, um, you're going to enjoy this trip, sure. no doubt. And do you have places in mind that you're going to go see or are you just going to kind of play it as as it comes? This is the way I travel and I don't really know of a better way to do it. So um, this is kind of how I roll. I have a destination and let's say it's Thailand. I know I'm going to fly into Bangkok. I bring a bag full of clothes and some nice, comfortable tennis shoes. 
I show up and I stay in a hostel for the first two or three nights, talk to people, see where they liked going, and then I go there. And then I go to those two or three places and I meet other people and see where they liked. And then I go there. So eventually I get to see everything I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. I just don't have like a definitive plan. Like, okay, well, it's Tuesday at uh, two o'clock, so we need to be at the museum. And uh, no one has time for that. Right. It's not you part of the- You don't have an itinerary. Sure. No, of course not. The, the whole goal to me is ex- the trip. Enjoy the journey. The destination, if you get there, that's awesome. Like, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's a month, it doesn't matter. If you stay somewhere, you like it, enjoy it, embrace it. And I I think, ultimately, we'll only regret the things that we don't do. We'll never regret the things that we did do. And if it's staying an extra week in Bolivia or staying, like, in Ecuador and kiteboarding, uh, I mean, if it tickles your fancy, do it. Spend the money, spend the time, spend the effort exude that energy and embrace it. Yeah, that's a great attitude that probably a lot of people don't get a chance to <laughs> either don't have or or like you say, I mean, I've been brainwashed and I, you know, um, it's not something that you think about. You don't think about, I mean, the average person, I don't think, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just me, but you don't consider, hey, I'm going to take a year and I'm going to go to South America and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Um, you know, obviously family, kids, and those types of things sure. uh, hinder those types of objectives in some in some periods of life, okay. but um, you know, I think even an average single person isn't necessarily doing doing that, are they? No, I imagine you're quite right because I mean, like you think about the status quo. Um, most people, I guess, whether it's brainwashing or whether it's based on like consumerism, it, it really it's just it's all conditioning, and what it boils down to is when you're out of high school, most people don't know what they want to be. Yeah. And more importantly, they don't know who they want to be. And that's that's like the real bummer of the whole thing is the what will be figured out real easy once you figure out the who. And for most people, it's, oh, well, I need to go to college and that way I can find myself and get a real job. And then they go to college and they quote unquote find themselves. And by that time, usually they've had a long-term girlfriend or at least some form of a wife or spouse. And uh, then they decide, well... We're pretty happy together. We're going to go ahead and buy a house and a white picket fence and settle down with 2.4 kids and a dog. And then that is just the status quo. And I guess it is quite comfortable and is very easy. And that works for a lot of people. And that's awesome. I I applaud that. Me personally, it wouldn't work for me. It doesn't doesn't make me feel passionate about life. It doesn't make me want to wake up early. Yeah. Where did you get this perspective? Was this something that you learned from your parents? Have you always had the wandering spirit, I mean, as you grew up? Or were they travelers? Did they instill any of this in you? How did that come about? Um, You know, like when I was real young, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, we didn't really have a, a whole lot of money, but we always had a really good time. And something that I remember as a child is like we'd go to like Daytona Bike Week mm-hmm. and we'd take a road trip down there. And we'd sleep out on the beach and watch the stars and make a bonfire. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Now, granted, at the time when I was like seven, I didn't realize we slept on the beach because we didn't have any money. Right. Like I realized that, man, this is awesome. It's our family and we're spending time together and we're out like playing in the waves. That's what I remember. So to me, it's not about the money. It's more about the time and the people that you spend it with. And I think through my childhood, I, I traveled so much because I lived with different members of my family. And then I moved out with my mom out here in Oklahoma. And uh, that was just a huge thing for me. And then 
who I consider my dad as my stepdad, uh, he was a huge influence in my early life is showing like you can do what you want to do. You set your mind to it and you can really make it happen. And then I guess as I got older, the more I did, the more confidence I had in myself, even though there'll always be people saying you can't do it or naysayers. You really do. You have to do what's right for you. Yeah. You can't do what your parents or your teachers want. It has to be right for you. Yeah, that's great. Uh, very exciting. And, and I think a lot of people will appreciate hearing that and uh, be interested in, in your trip and your travels. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, uh, your involvement here in the city. Uh, you have some real estate uh, as well as uh, doing some aircraft stuff, but uh, you own a place down by the Plaza District. Yeah, sure. Um, I have a, a little quadplex. It's on 16th Street, uh, just about two blocks away from the mule going east towards like uh, the Mesta Park area. Um, I bought that building when I was 19. And I guess the whole thing for me is I saw a lot of potential in that area. I I only buy stuff I like. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in that area. So I bought something in that area so I could live there. The whole goal to me was to see that area of the community be revived. And if I could be in some way, even as marginal as just owning one piece of real estate and making it a nice place to be in a luxurious place, an energy efficient place. That one little thing, if that was like just what tipped the iceberg over the scale to make it the whole thing pop. I mean, I'm not saying that was me, but I feel like if everyone did that in that area, it would be up and coming. And sure enough, the community is behind it 110%. Everyone's out there making it happen. It's a gorgeous place. It's a blast. Every Friday night is just always crazy shenanigans. I love it. Yeah. You're listening to the OKC show. Our guest is Nate Allen, and uh, we're talking about his um, transcontinental motorcycle trip, getting ready to to uh, venture off on Friday. Yep. And yep. as he heads to South America, and also uh, a little bit about his involvement here in the city with the uh, the the Blue Alamo. Blue Alamo, yeah. Down, down by the Plaza District. Now, um, were you... We talked a little bit before we went on uh, on the mics, but you said you were out of town um, traveling, mm-hmm. doing some uh, different things in different countries during the time that the Plaza District has really kind of taken off and built up and turned into what it is. I mean, what, was it a surprise for you when you came back and uh, to see what was going on? I mean, what what is that like for you? It was a bit of culture shock because yeah. I didn't know how to really take it. I flew home and there was a giant skyscraper coming up from downtown. <laughs> Had no idea that was being built. I come home on a little bitty CRJ 200. It's a small passenger jet and the plane had to go around the building to come into the airport. And I was like, okay, well, this was Oklahoma City. I go down to the plaza like I normally do, and uh, it wasn't what I recall four years ago. It was a very lovely change, great people, very progressive. Just uh, the feeling in the air is very electric, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. I love it. Yeah. Uh, They've really done some great things down there. Um, You know, our our, our friend Kristen Vales has done Mm -hmm. a great job. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we... Since, uh, well, we talked to her several years ago, but she's now moved on to uh, bigger and better things, and uh, we wish her the best of luck. But she's done a great job with the Plaza District and everything mm-hmm. that's going on, and it's great to see um, the restaurants and the uh, the festivals and everything that happens down there. It's just such sure. a cool place. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Um, so so you're a traveler. Uh, let's talk about what's one of the best trips you've been on. Well, I, I get asked quite a bit, what's my favorite place I've ever been to? And, you know, without a doubt, I have to say Indonesia. I really do. I, I spent about two months there. I flew into the island of Bali. I uh, went around to like Java and Jakarta and some of the Gili Islands. And it's just 
beautiful. The people are amazing. The food is just out of this world. You can do anything on those islands. You want to go climb a volcano that's active? You can do it. You want to go scuba diving at 110 feet in crystal clear water that you don't need to wear a wetsuit? You can do that too. It's beautiful. I uh, snorkeled with sea turtles for about seven hours, and I think about that at least once a month. Just That was so amazing. Yeah, I bet. Um, other cool places you've been? Um, well, I've been through like Western Europe, Eastern Europe. Uh, last year I spent about five months in the Czech Republic, made some great friends, ate some good food. The beer over there is just top notch. You yeah. Know, can't beat it. It's world renowned. Um, before that I spent about a month in Peru and a month in Ecuador. Really, really good time. I, I would highly suggest, uh, if anyone really wanted to travel, you can go to Central South America very cheap, very easy. There's no jet lag. You just go straight South. It's like an hour difference of time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. I was in Ecuador for about a month and I climbed Chimborazo. It's the tallest volcano in Ecuador. It's about 19,000 feet. And, uh, the first 17,000 feet aren't bad. You have to ice axe the last 2000 feet. And, uh, that, that took a little, uh, dexterity. I wasn't quite, <laughs> I didn't train up for that. And, uh, I, it showed. And when I got back home, I was just, I was exhausted. I was yeah. useless for about three days. Yeah. Do you have a lot of near death experiences? I call those near-life experiences Okay. because I really feel like when you're that close to death, that's when you know what it's like to truly be alive. And I don't say that to be nostalgic or put that on a bumper sticker. I say that because I really do feel that way. It's, yeah. just, it, it's so unique and different because I feel like most people never really get that close. Like they see it on the news or they may be watching it in movies. It's different when you're there and that visceral feeling and you can feel your veins pumping full of like energy and life. It's just to me... I, I'm not going to say like go out and be a adrenaline junkie by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but uh, if you uh, ever get involved in anything like that and ever have that event arise, I, I suggest take time and enjoy the moment. Yeah. So you're getting ready to head out um, yeah. Friday, hopefully. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, do you have concerns? I mean, what, what things do you worry about or do you worry about things? <laughs> I mean, what do you, with the perspective you have, I mean, do you set off and you go, you know, these are the kind of the things I'm worried about. And, you know, I want to stay away from this area or I don't want to, you know, eat this food or, I, you know, I don't want to get eaten by a lion or not that there's lions in South America, but. I imagine there's mountain lions. Yeah. No, uh, you know, I got to be honest with you, man. Like, I've always looked at it this way. Worrying is like paying interest on a debt we don't owe because we only have the moment. Nothing else is guaranteed after that. I mean, to me, when you worry and fret, it's spending energy and effort that you could be spending on anything else beyond just living and doing and seeing and achieving. So for me, when people ask me these kind of questions, I, I always think back and, you know, like a lot of people – I was working in the Middle East and they said, oh man, you have to be so careful and it's so dangerous and blah. It is, but you go over there expecting it. You don't expect to like snuggle a box of kittens and feel like you're hugging rainbows. So a big thing for me was when I was in those locations, I met some of the best people in the world. I ate some of the best food I've ever had in my mouth. Some of the sunsets I saw, like, I take your breath away. I would just have to walk away from people and just, this is mine. You have the rest of the day. I'm going to sit here and watch this sun go over a mountain. Yeah. Do you share these experiences with anybody or in any way? I mean, um, you have a blog or anything that you are you are you going to write a book? Are you going to put a picture book together? I mean, what what happens to 
you know, what's inside of Nate's brain and how do other people get to experience, you know, uh, vicariously through you? Sure, sure. Well, you know, I've been uh, asked by several people about blogging and writing a book. And uh, this one guy I was introduced to, that's how he makes his living. He's just traveling and writing and he does quite well for himself. But to me, I look at that as it's not the best use of my time to sit there and pound out 10,000 words every day and tell people about my feelings. I truly think the best idea would be for you to go out and experience life. Like, it doesn't make sense for me to tell you about my experiences because a thousand people could have the same event happen and have 10,000 different experiences. So I suggest go out, see it, do it. Don't make excuses. Just go make it happen. Yeah. But I will be on Facebook. Um, that way mom and dad know I'm still alive and I'll post pictures and all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so what do mom and dad think about this? Um, I will say mom and dad have always been my biggest supporters. Yeah. Um, they, they are concerned and, uh, you know, it's just like any other time I've taken off on another trip, uh, whether it be the Middle East or to Europe or whatever. I told mom in the kitchen yesterday, uh, I guess it was two days ago. I was like, well, I love you. If I die on this one, at least, you know, I died doing something I love and <laughs> I'd rather do. That's always reassuring for moms oh, to sure. hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Really, at the end of the day, if I, I guess my thought process, if, if God forbid I died tomorrow or whatever, like she could go back and be like, well, at least he died doing something he loved. And as opposed to living here on his knees and just hoping for the best and praying for the worst and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so you don't have a blog. We've got a Facebook. I do have um, a Facebook. So yeah, I think we, since we don't have a way to send everybody to follow with what you're going along. We will, at the, at the very least, uh, follow along with you, and maybe we can repost some of your information on the uh, OKC Show um, page and our Facebook page, which we do have, and Twitter and that sort of thing, so we can let everybody keep up with you, because I, I think we're all going to be really curious to see how things are going for you and awesome. um, you know, keep up with you and make sure that you are still alive. And uh... Good man, good man. I don't care what I was saying about you. No. <laughs> No, that'd be awesome. I'd love it. Yeah, uh, and it's really intriguing, and I and I applaud you for, um, geez, having the courage to to do what you want to do. Sure. And uh, you know, it sounds exciting, and you know, I think, uh, like I said, a long motorcycle trip to to that. If you've got the right bike, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be great. I wouldn't want to do it on mine right now, but uh, that's okay. Well, it's it's kind of like uh, being a mechanic. Like the tools don't make the mechanic, but the damn sure help if you got the right tools. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> Nate. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, come in and join us on our OKC show. Uh, we wanted to get you in uh, before you left town because it is a very interesting story and you're an interesting guy. And there's so much that we could probably talk about. I mean, we could probably do a whole other show just on your uh, financial perspectives and, <laughs> and what you've done there. Uh, and maybe when you get back, we'll do that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd love so, to. I'd love to be back. Thanks so, so much. Great. It's been a pleasure and an honor coming out today. I appreciate you guys making time for me. Absolutely. Well, we wish you the best of luck and uh, safe travels and, and all of that. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll keep up with us on the OKC Show Facebook, we'll, uh, we'll let you keep up with Nate and his trip to South America. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate Allen. And we are going to wrap it up for uh, Justin Pruitt, who's stepping in as producer for us today. Uh, I am Jason Baffrey. We'll catch you next time. The OKC Show is a production of Destiny Creative.